0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Would you please welcome Dr. Dan Boltz. Welcome. Come on, Doc. Finish up. Do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Did you all joy this morning? Yeah. yeah it's was awesome. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I'm not used to that doctor thing. Yeah, I have the degree, but uh, I don't know. It's just me. It's just me, and I love you, and that's why I'm here. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We love your pastors and admire them, respect them. Uh, For the work's sake, they do a great work. And so that's just awesome. It's great to be with you all again. And uh, I might add just a little, you know, on the note of giving, who gave the most in here tonight or this morning? (laughs) How would you know? Well, what if we uh, went and did the counting and put the names and wrote them on a whiteboard or something like that and put all the amounts and you saw all the amounts? Would you know who gave the most? No. Why not? Jesus took note of a widow who gave two small coins mm-hmm. and said she gave more than all the others. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's good. Revealing that a big gift to God is relative to what you have. If you don't have a whole lot, you're not going to be writing million dollar checks. (laughs) But you might give a hundred dollars and boy, oh boy, oh boy, or or Mm ten dollars. You know, anybody teaching their children to give? Yeah, that's a real test when you give it to them and tell them now from this you should give an offering and see what they do if they feel like they actually have a choice. But uh, amen. So uh you know, it's giving from a heart of faith and it's uh, from what you have uh, that measures how generous you are, not the not the size of the check. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, You ready to go a little further from where we were uh, this morning? Uh, We were talking about courage in the face of adversity and I I hope it's okay that I talk so much about uh, my recent experience and what has happened uh, with my wife and I and uh, you know I don't like things to be about me but um, some of the experiences we've had are very powerful illustrations of things that God can do is doing. Uh, One of the things that uh, you open your life for if you're going to be a pastor is you open your life to people so they can watch you live and hopefully you're demonstrating success and victory. And uh, so it's something that uh, uh, I believe is important that you not only teach the word, you demonstrate the word, you live it yourself. Otherwise, you'd be a hypocrite. So uh, I find every once in a while somebody is, you just talk about yourself too much. And I go, well... I have my illustrations. I don't have somebody else's illustrations, so I've got to tell my story. I don't have another one to tell. But uh, So, so uh, from this occasion with my wife becoming injured and how we've walked in faith for her this past little better than a year, uh, I have found, at least in my home church, so many opportunities to help people. And so many lessons that they've learned from. And uh, I kind of figure it this way. If I can learn something, ten minutes later I can teach it to somebody else. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of these things I just learned myself, you know, or I learn them to another level or another depth. And uh, so uh, I re- am talking about uh, things that happened to her and how we walked out things that happened. I'll just remind you, we're talking about courage in the face of adversity any kind of trouble, any kind of difficulty, uh, test, trials, and so on, and we looked this morning at Joshua, where three times the Lord commanded him to be strong and courageous. And just to refresh you real quick, uh, why would God command Joshua to be courageous several times unless there was going to be a fight? That's right. Yeah, there was going to be a fight. Why would God command Joshua to be courageous several times unless the fight looked to be too much for him? Mm-hmm. Now, I have noticed through the years something about people. They will feel like, you know, hey, I've got this. I can do this. So We've been through this. Yeah, I got it. I got it. And sometimes there's a bravado or a confidence in self that tends to stumble and fall flat. Uh, and then there's other people who say, "Lord, I need you. To, I can handle this, but Lord, take this away." Well, wait a minute. Why not give it all to him? <laughs> and I find myself just, Lord, I totally and completely need you, and I'm just flat out dependent. And uh, I got nothing unless you give it to me. You know. So, uh, why would the Lord strengthen and encourage and speak to you? And why do you need to be courageous? Because the fight's going to be more than what you can do. Just know that in advance. It's going to be more than what you can do. On your own, that is, of course. If God already gave them the land, why was there going to be a fight over it? You ever hear people talk about open doors and closed doors? You know, um, I think sometimes people actually really miss God because they run into some resistance and say, well, that door's closed, and they take it as it wasn't the will of God. And Many times we come with God's instruction to a place and there's a closed door, and he intends for us to kick it open. Amen. Amen. It's the enemy that works in the realm of circumstance. You know, I've heard folks say, well, if God was in it, it would be easy to do. He'd make the way. No, if God's in it, it's likely going to be difficult because (laughs) he's going to ask you to walk by faith. That's right. Amen. Yeah. You know, so the open door, closed door thing. Well, that was a closed door, you know. Well, then open it. Amen. Or if there's an open door before us. Well, you better see if God actually wants you to go through, cause just because the door's open. That's right. You Amen. know, uh, I've pastored for many years now, and there's been church members come and say, Well, Pastor, we have this job offer, an opportunity in another state, and uh, wow, it's a lot more money. Uh, I think we're going to go. And, well, what did God say about it? That's right. Let me ask you is there a good church there? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure we'll find something. Just because it's an open door. (laughs) It may be an open door to a trap. I've done a little trapping. The trap is open. Waiting for a victim, right? So, uh, if God gives you a promise, does that mean it's going to go smooth and it's going to go easy? Uh, Have you heard people pray, God, we're going to launch out in this and we pray you just make the way smooth and you just make it easy and you solve all the problems so when we get there, we just slide in. (laughs) I mean, people pray lots of things and some of them are along those lines. Yeah. I saw where two disciples got in trouble and uh, were beaten and went back to their company. Book Acts, you can read about that. And then the whole of them prayed and said, Lord, grant boldness to your servants that with signs and wonders stretch forth your hand to heal and so on. They didn't say, hey, take these guys out of the way and you've got to make this a little easier for us. We'll go out and do signs and wonders and all that if, if you make it so it's not so hard. <laughs> That's not what they prayed. It's not what they asked for. That's the place where the building shook after they prayed along those lines. So, uh, if God gives you something, doesn't mean there's not going to be a fight. In fact, you need to be sure God gave it to you and keep referring to that so that you're equipped for that fight. Amen. How do you get courage? That's what we've been kind of talking about. Uh, I'll just remind you again, uh, just know up front there's going to be a fight. That's the first thing. Uh, I recently taught along these lines in my church at home as well, and I had several people come and thank me. You know, just that right there, just knowing there's going to be a fight. You know, what's that phrase people use? To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Amen. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, what would you have in a military if you didn't tell them there's going to be a fight and we're going to train and we're going to train hard? Yeah, that's That's good. That's true. That's good. So there's going to be a fight. Uh, And keeping it just kind of simple, just because you finish one fight doesn't mean you're done. (laughs) There's another one coming. Sometimes, let's say it's somebody sick or injured, you know, and they're in that healing process, and and then something can happen, and you might consider it or think it a setback. And when people have that happen, you know, I thought we were healed. I thought we were done with this, and now this happened. Just be prepared for it. It's going to happen. If you get to a level where, hey, this is going our way, this is going away, there will just be another tactic from the enemy. He counterattacks. You know, he tries this, that don't work, he tries this. So there's going to be a fight, and there's going to be more than one fight. Amen. And remember, we looked this morning at 1 Peter 4.12. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try as though some strange thing happened. It's not strange if you're in a fight. That's normal. That's normal. And Jesus told us that while we're in this world, we will have tribulation. That was John 16, 33. Um, So that first one is basically, in simple words, there's going to be a fight. You're going to have a fight. Uh, The second one we covered was uh, review what God has said to you about that fight. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with the verse in Philippians. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I think your pastor quoted it a few minutes ago, right? Well, that's what he said about your financial fight. So, as soon as a fight appears, uh oh, we got a need. What did God say to me about this fight? And what did he say about the outcome? He said, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches, and he's rich, in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what God says about this. And then you just, well, I'm going to go with what he says. On that note, of course, you can't tell everything, and sometimes uh, stuff happens in a moment, but uh, right while I was standing in that uh, first emergency room where they were calling for a helicopter, and uh, I basically understood from their communication that uh, my wife's life was hanging in the balance. I found out later uh, they may have actually resuscitated her. and She may have been gone and come back. In fact, there's a whole story about her meeting Jesus that I need to confirm with her. But another minister friend uh, in a vision saw some things, and it seems to all fit with several others. Uh, so it, it appears that she, uh, she met Jesus in a doorway, and uh, he turned her back. But uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> and I was thinking about that. Oh, man man, if she meets Jesus and she's thinking about Jesus or Dan, Jesus or Dan, I'm going to lose that one for sure, you know, I mean, uh. (laughs) but I remember checking in my spirit. I remember checking. And, uh, uh, to keep it real brief, but you know, Brother Hagin was once where uh, he, uh, his wife was sick and he was seeking the Lord on that and and the Lord said something to him about, you know, it would be better for her if she would come to heaven now. And uh, he said, well, but Lord, uh, uh, you know, Getting to the point, he, he, he thought differently, no, no. And the Lord said, okay, I'll do what you ask. I'll heal her, but it would be better if she would come now, you know. Uh, so I'm trying to look on the inward, what, what would the Lord say? Lord, what do you say about this? Is this something I can change, can't change? Um, Your pastors have probably taught you a little bit about the authority of a believer. There's no higher authority in your life than you. Second to that is probably if you're married, your spouse then children come into play here where your children have something to say about parents and parents about children so I realize I'm second in order and if she decided I'm going I could not overrule that and this is why sometimes people pass away and you don't understand they may have saw Jesus and I'm sorry but Jesus was preferable to staying right I'm convinced somebody meets the Lord it's really hard for them to come back and you've heard of people having what you might call a near death or a death experience and coming back and, and some of those things. But uh, So I said, Lord, what about this? What do you say? Because I thought I should line up with the will of God and what he says about this and pray according to the will of God and uh, not find myself opposing my wife's will or the will of God you know I mean and none of us knows everything and so I thought regardless of my feelings on it let me check with God God what do you say about this and he said to me well what have I already said about it I'm, you know, now reviewing what has God said about the outcome. I said, well, what you've said to us is with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. You said, Lord, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You've said, Lord, that you sent your word and healed them. You've said, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. That's what you said. He said, okay, well, I'm not changing what I say. Are you? (laughs) Amen. I said, no, I'm not going to change what you said, so I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say what you said. Yeah. So that's where I reviewed, uh, what has the Lord said about this battle, this fight that I'm in? And if he said that he wants to satisfy and show us his deliverance and give us long life, oh, I'm going to go with that. Yes. Amen. And uh, this may sound very crude to say, but Honestly, there are times where it will occur to people it would be easier to let go than to keep fighting the fight. I, uh three weeks ago was in California attending some meetings and uh, there was a dear lady there who uh, lost her husband uh, some years ago and she knew us and our situation. She came over and talked and said, you know, I think now uh, you and I have an understanding that other people don't. She actually lost her husband. Uh, I came close to that and we talked a while. And uh, she said, you know, I've been thinking about this and uh, for her, her husband, was a plane crash. So it was just irreversibly, completely done, over with. And she's, of course, healed over time of that wound. But she said, you know, I think that might be easier than what you're going through. Because I'm still fighting. And she's just depending on the Lord to uh, help her heal up, you know. And I told her, well, I've thought about that. But I'm just not willing to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, also, there's just no, nothing good there in thinking about that thought. And I've developed a phrase that I use from time to time, there's no fruit on that tree. Mm-hmm. That's right. uh, there's just no blessing in thinking on that. So uh, by the way, asking the question why, no. there's nothing there for you. Right. Okay. Maybe someday you can look back at it and you can say, Lord, why this or that? And there might be an answer and you could learn from it. But usually, when it's time to fight, it's time to fight, not to go, hmm. right. uh, how this happened. That's basically the same question. One more that you don't ask, is when. When, Lord, when? When will this be over? Because if you're going to fight by faith, you just keep fighting. You don't need to know when. Here's what happens when you think you know when. If I can just make it two more weeks. (laughs) And you go two weeks and you don't have the resolution of the thing. Now what? you got to figure out how to get yourself up for battle again. Can you take a story here real quick? I do not remember the captain's name, but there was one particular man. uh, He had a great business career after uh, coming home, but he was a POW in Vietnam an officer. And uh, he was credited with saving many lives of the other POWs by his encouraging words and his counsel to them and all of that kind of thing. And he was interviewed once. Uh, Stories always lose power when you can't tell dates and names. I I get that, but I'm sorry, I don't remember. But you can check this out. But uh, he was asked once, you know, some of the guys didn't make it through the the imprisonment there in Vietnam. It was tough. You know, uh, could you tell who made it? Who were the ones that made it? He said, oh, that's easy. Uh, The pessimists made it. The optimists did not. The optimists were the ones who said, by Thanksgiving, by Thanksgiving we are out of here. By Thanksgiving this will all be over and we're going home. Thanksgiving comes and goes and they weren't. Well, well, By Christmas. I just know it by Christmas will. By Easter. And they went from disappointment to disappointment to disappointment. (laughs) Whereas the guys that were the pessimists said, you know, I don't know when we're getting out of here, but all I need to do is get through today. And tomorrow, I'll get through tomorrow. And I don't know how long we're going to be here, but I'm sticking with this, and I'm going to outlast my captors. Just I'll get through today, and I'll get through tomorrow, then I'll get through tomorrow, then I'll get through tomorrow. Yeah, that's it. Jesus said, "Don't worry about tomorrow." That's right. But tomorrow will take care of itself. Hallelujah. Just handle today. Amen. Just handle today. So uh, review what God has said about the outcome of the fight. Um, then we uh, did choose to believe God rather than what you see. Uh, our scripture there was Acts 27 25, where Paul said, I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. You will be presented with circumstances, evidence, things before your eyes. And the enemy walks about as a roaring lion, right? He's got a great roar. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there's all kinds of stuff that will present itself to you. And it is difficult to put away what you see and check in your heart and go with what's in your heart. That's not necessarily easy, but that's a choice you got to make. Sure. Come on. That's a choice you got to make. And, uh, you know, there was a time there where my wife... Uh, had tubes coming out of her skull. They drained, drilled holes and put it in drains and took bone off. Half her head was shaved for a little while. When you visited, I think she was like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they didn't necessarily clean her all up. Uh, there was still blood uh, around and everything. And it was something to look at that you would go, my God, that's not her. Mm-hmm. And it could tear your heart out just to look at her. So what are you going to believe? Your eyes? Mm-hmm. What the doctors are telling you? What God says. you got to choose. Yeah, right. yeah, come on. yeah Isaiah said it this way. Whose report will you believe? Right. right? So you have to choose to believe God. So now we'll move into new material here. Number four. Number four is this. Review and speak of past victories. So if you're in a fight, it's probably not your first one. You've probably won and lost some battles before, right? Well, look back... I've been through so many battles, and the Lord delivered us from this, and he brought us through this. When we were in Bible school, you know, we had no money. We were so far behind, and the Lord was faithful, and we ate every day, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and, you know, uh, just when we needed it most, a check would come. Somebody would come through, uh, all those kinds of things. Look at First uh, Samuel seventeen thirty-six, if you would. And this is something that's good just to do all the time, even when you don't feel like you're in the middle of a big fight. Still, review and speak of the past victories. 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. This is David. He's about to face Goliath. And uh, Goliath is much bigger than he, much more experienced than he, a man of war. And David was a teenager who watched sheep. But uh, David says this in verse 36, your servant, speaking of himself, has killed both the lion and the bear And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Has God brought you through any battle thus far? Yes, he has. Amen. It wouldn't even hurt to write some of these things down. Or sit with your husband or your wife. Honey, you remember the time we were in this and that situation. And boy, it looked like we were just not going to make it. But God is faithful. And remember, we didn't know where it was going to come from. We didn't know how God was going to move. But look what he did. And so David, it was a lion, it was a bear, it was a giant. And your battles will go that way. They'll start small, but they'll get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's just really the mercy of God that he makes sure that you don't start at the biggest ones. (laughs) Yeah. But review and speak of. Could you tell as I'm saying some of this stuff that you're thinking, yeah, yeah. We walked them, and then this come along, and we walked that, and oh man, God brought us through this and that. And pretty soon you're standing up. What's this giant, giant schmiant? What's he think he is? Who cares? God's brought us through all of these; He can bring us through that. Yes. Amen. That one thing will do a lot for you. And, of course, the Scriptures say that David ran to that battle. That's right. Ran to that battle. So review your victories. Speak of your victories. It's actually a fun thing to do. I like doing that with our kids who are all grown, and uh, uh, half my kids have kids of their own at this point in time. But we go back and talk about the fights the struggles. Um, I've got a couple of granddaughters that uh, have their own horses and are pretty accomplished in that and so on. And uh, so they have some privilege now in their childhood that when my daughter was young she said, Daddy, I want a horse. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, that's how I was tempted to answer her. But I caught myself and I said, honey, you can have anything you believe God for. <laughs> Twelve years old. I said, but you're going to have to arrange where you're going to keep it, how you're going to pay for it. I'm not buying it for you. I'm not feeding all that. And it took her about two weeks, but she got it all worked out. And that twelve-year-old got a horse, and I didn't buy it. <laughs> but she's telling her daughters, you know, my first horse... To you would be a joke today. But she talked about how she had to believe God for her first horse and uh, and further than that we talked about, you know, we had a junky vehicle and all the kinds of things. All all the furniture was used, junk that really when you pulled it out of my house it needed to be burned, it it was more than done. Uh, So uh, you know, telling the younger generation about some of those victories, we actually Enjoyed and the grandkids' eyebrows go up. Really, you had to do that, mama? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, try to help them see how blessed they are and make sure they have some battles of their own. Children need to fight fights too. They need to, you know, don't just give them things, you need to believe God for it. Amen. Amen. So that can be a lot of fun, actually. Review past victories. And I have found when I'm really feeling like I don't have courage, this one thing right here does a lot for me. Man, God brought me through this. God brought me through this. God brought me through this. Uh, One more maybe illustration of that, that uh, uh, I always wanted to learn to fly, I wanted to be a pilot, but uh, you know, when you're having trouble feeding your family, being a pilot seems like way out there extreme luxury. And uh, I thought it to be expensive and all that kind of thing. And uh, so as kids are grown and that sort of thing, you know, uh, we're not believing God to eat or anything at this point in time, but, but I said, Lord, I want to learn to fly, you know. And uh, by this time, I had two sons that were now pilots, and one of them's a flight instructor. So I'm thinking, ooh, this is pretty good. This could work, right? So the Lord said to me, uh, how much money do you need to, f- to learn how to fly? And at the time, it probably was $8,000, $10,000 or something like that would do it. And uh, and I didn't have it. And the Lord said to me, how much do you need? Well, I guess, you know, let's say $8,000. He said, no. How much do you need today to learn how to fly? So I said, well, I guess enough for the first flight lesson. And I could start. And uh, so, you know, yeah. Let's say $100 to pay for the first flight lesson, rent the airplane, all that. Somebody gave me $100 within a day or two. And I took that flight lesson and go, huh, that's pretty good. I'm started. I'm a pilot. And uh, it takes more than one flight lesson, I'll guarantee you that. So he says, so what do you need now? I guess I need another $100 for another lesson. And very quickly that came to me. And he says, so what do you need now? Well, another $100. Amen. And I completed all my pilot's training $100 bill at a time. Come on. <laughs> and I did the whole thing without dipping in my own pocket. The Lord would provide me just in... in, in Little chunks like that. Uh, Maybe not everybody was here last time I was here, but you know, I have a saying that I speak over myself uh, concerning money. I've learned some things about money prosperity. Uh, But it's this. Money finds me. It chases me down. And it jumps in my pocket. Because I hear how people talk about money and I decided that's not how I'm going to talk about money. Oh man, it goes so quickly. Seems like you never have enough. That's not what I say about money. I say money finds me, it chases me down and it jumps in my pocket. And that's what happens. It does. Praise the Lord. So this was review and speak of past victories. Number five. Number five is know, K-N-O-W, in other words, have knowledge of, know and use your weapons. You have weapons available to you for the fight. If you don't know and use your weapons, the enemy will whoop you good. No one here can match wits with him, just you and him. We have to depend on God, know the weapons He's given us, use those weapons. We have to walk in obedience toward God. If we disobey God, we kind of get out on our own and we're in trouble. But if you'll look with me at 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but mighty in God. Did you know you have some mighty weapons? Did you know that the enemy if you pull out the right weapon he starts trembling and shaking in fear? Amen. And different battles call for different tactics and different weapons. Well, if you'll follow the Spirit of God, you'll know when to pull what out and how to skillfully use that. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Let's keep reading here. Four, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the being... Uh, to the obedience of Christ. Now all of those phrases we just read point to where the battlefield is and what the nature of the battle is. That battlefield is in our own thoughts. That's where all of these fights are. Your fight is not with the bank. Your fight is not with your neighbor. Your fight is not with your boss. Your fight is not with your pastor. Your fight is not with God. Your fight is not necessarily even with the devil. It's in your own mind and your own thoughts. Now the devil surely will supply you with thoughts. He'll paint a picture and he'll boast to himself about "Oh, what I'm going to do to you. You are going down. You're going to fail. And don't you ever pick up his words and say, that's it. We're sunk. We're done. Everything occurs to you as a thought before it's words from your mouth. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is just a line of thinking that you can't get free of. But the weapons of God can break down those strongholds. A lot of these strongholds are installed by parents and upbringing. Now, maybe they mean well. But, uh, you know, uh, if you grew up in a house where everybody's poor and they talk poor and they tell you you're never going to be anything but poor or or things concerning uh, race, black, white, Hispanic, all of that, if parents say certain things about it, you're likely to have a stronghold in that area and you'll have trouble overcoming that. Especially in the area of finances and money. You know, oh, it would just never be enough. It just seems like there's always something that comes up. And, uh, and you find yourself saying it before you, you know, where'd that come from? It came from your parents. But it can be a stronghold, you know. And, uh, and uh, how can that be defeated? There's certain uh, weapons that can do that. Uh, let me give you, without going into them in great detail, just a few of the weapons that you have. And I'm talking, not talking about sword of the spirit and all of that. No, there's some other things. Uh, how about this one? Thanksgiving. The enemy just doesn't want to hear thanks. Uh, praise. When the enemy punches you in the mouth and gives you a mighty blow... And you say, praise God. He's done it before. He's going to do it again. We're coming out of this. Oh, thank you, Father. We have another victory on the way. Then he goes, huh? I just gave you a great shot. And you didn't complain? Come on. Thanksgiving. Praise. Worship. Hearing the Word and speaking the Word. How did Jesus defeat the enemy in his time of temptation in the wilderness? Three temptations, three times. It is written. It is written. Powerful weapon. That shut him down. Even though he shut him down what looks like efficiently, you do realize that the temptation was 40 days. I mean, you read that in a couple, of three sentences, and you go, okay, next. But Jesus was 40 days struggling with temptation to obey these thoughts that were coming to him, these temptations, these tests that were coming to him. So Jesus had a fight. Amen. And he had another great fight in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was a fight. So much so dripping sweat as drops of blood and so on. Uh, But speaking the word. Speaking the word. um, Here's another one. Being unmoved. In other words, chaos is breaking out around you and you can maintain your peace. Being unmovable. Paul said, none of these things move me. It said, taking thoughts captive. Uh, and not entertaining the devil's games. He plays games. He's got tricks. He's got all kinds of things. that are referred to as wiles of the devil. You know, uh, he's got lots of tricks. So I, I have learned you don't even go there. You don't even play that reasoning game with him and so on. Answer with him with the word. But knowing what your weapons are. Using them. Using them effectively. Um. Uh, Perhaps more than anything, well, I shouldn't say that more than anything. There are times when it's time for thanksgiving. There are times when it's time to praise and to shout. There are times when it should be deep and reverent worship. There are times when you should simply speak the word. Yeah. There are times when you should do nothing and not be moved. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's right. yeah. Amen. There was one particular night where uh, I was tucking my wife into into bed there and uh, just one of those times where I'm looking at this dear precious lady, this this great friend of mine, and um, she can't speak and she can't do this and that and so on and to me it felt like so much loss uh, that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't fellowship with her the same way and her hand and arm were affected, as her foot and some of that, just the effects of, of some brain damage. Damage, which is healing and coming out. Okay. But uh, you know, uh, our bedroom is upstairs and uh, I have no way of getting her up the stairs. So we have a hospital bed for her on the first floor of the house. But I'm going up and just feeling a heaviness about that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like what's happened to my girl. And, uh, you know, it's almost a sadness trying to settle in on me. And I get up to my bed, lay down, and that's often where I do a lot of my praying, when I lay down in bed at night. And I open my mouth, so to speak, to the Lord. I said, now, Lord, uh, you know, and I started saying about her hand and so And I barely got anything out of my mouth. And he said, we're not getting anxious now, are we? And immediately I knew, Uh, the scripture says be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God yeah so I knew immediately uh oh I'm bordering on anxiousness here anxiety concern over this and the Lord did me a great favor by asking me you're not getting anxious are you and I said Anxious? Who? Oh, no, not me. I'm not anxious. I thank you that she's alive. I thank you that she can open her eyes and look at me. I thank you that she can do this and and can do that. And I thank you that she came through this problem. She came through that problem. I thank you that she's at home where we can take care of her instead of a hospital or an institution. You know, and I'm just going through all the things and I got myself pretty happy pretty quick. (laughs) And all thoughts of how much it hurt were gone. All the pain of it was gone. Amen. So another attack of the enemy. Uh, I just went with thanksgiving thanking God for what she can do, what she does have. Come on. And I won that round. Amen. Amen. And there have been many, many, many battles. We have won every single Amen. one of them. Amen. Right. There's not one battle that we haven't won in this whole thing. I mean, there were things like which hospital can she go to next? we believe in God that she'll be received here or there. We're told, no, it can't happen. No way. Well, we won. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So know and use your weapons. And your weapons are spiritual weapons. They're not, I'm going to go tell them what I think. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. No. No. Number six, the last one here, Uh, and this one may be uh, the one you'll work with the longest. Um, When I put these together, one through six, I kind of thought back to the process. What happens first? What happens second? What will you be faced with third? What should you do fourth and so on? Number six is prepare yourself to persevere. You have got to understand, get ready, and then do it. Keep going. Keep going. Would you look at Hebrews 6.15 with me, please? Hebrews 6.15 talks about Abraham receiving the promise of a son by he and Sarah. His whole covenant... Uh, a blessing, well, among other things, was that they would have a son. Uh, they came up with an idea some years ago, well, let's have that son with Hagar, and that'll more or less be the promise of God fulfilled. God says, uh-uh, no, I don't need Hagar's help. Right. right? So, uh, you know, continue to believe. And so, uh, you know, you can figure up the years, and uh, it's right around 25 years between receiving the promise and actually having that son. Now, I don't know about you, but 25 years seems like a long time. Yeah, it seems like a long time in the future. It doesn't seem like very long ago in the past. Because the older you get, the faster time seems to go. But uh, this verse is about him. And it says here in Hebrews 6.15, And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. Now, I've been tempted to be impatient concerning, Lord, this healing for my wife needs to go a lot faster. Because, uh, you know, uh, by his stripes she is healed. And uh, I don't see any reason why she can't just right now. Lord, you do miracles as in poof. And she's all of a sudden standing there instead of lying in a, in a bed. And uh, you could do it, Lord. You could do it. Well, he can. Yes. He can. But so many of the promises of God, if you look at the people in the scriptures, they walked in faith toward those promises, sometimes for a long time. Sometimes for a long time. And it is a walk of faith. And uh, I think what happens more than anything else, why people don't, get healed, why people don't get uh, uh, the prosperity, the blessing, the victory. I think the number one problem is is they give up too soon. Mm -hmm. I think that's the number one thing. And uh, if you would ask me, I would say the number one danger for me and my wife and her fulfilling the entire healing and restoration would be that we would give up. That's the number one danger to us. Uh, the Lord has already told me, you've come through the hard part, uh, some very, very uh, difficult medical things, and now she's stable, she's good, you know, all of that. He said, you've come through the hard part, yeah. but it seems to me now I'm going through the long part. <laughs> but I kind of, you know, think long is hard too, Lord, so does, are you sure you know what you're talking about? <laughs> But patiently endured. And this scripture and some others would continue. Sometimes, now Lord, and I wouldn't get no further. And I would remember that scripture after he had patiently endured. He obtained the promise. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would feed on that and say that, you know, for a few days. And then, then it would be something else. And he'd give me another scripture on that. But uh, the role of perseverance and sticking with a thing. That may be the, the, the most difficult part, and it, I mean, it may be the, the place that most people fail. Everybody starts well. You can have an exciting service, hands are laid on you, and woo, we got it! Praise God, did you hear that prophecy? We got it! But as I said, a test is coming. And the enemy will take that from you and it'll look like it's not coming to pass. And what then? You're going to have to continue to believe God. Continue to believe God. And you may have to stick with something for days, weeks, years. Yeah. Yeah. And I I understand. I've been a pastor a long time now. And, uh, you know, I've had people in my congregation that have had life-threatening illness and so on. And uh, some have been healed and some not. So we've had to bury a few folks. And just watching that whole process, I understand people get tired. And uh, they kind of lose their fight in them. Uh, If they're really sick, cancer or something like that, and it just is so draining, it can be difficult. I get it. And uh, so there have been several that when I detect and I can see they're losing their fight in them. And when they do that, uh, I might ask a question or two, and then we start talking about heaven. I start talking about, you know what? You... Heaven is awesome. You're just going to just love heaven. And usually when we have that conversation, it's not very long. They go kind of quick because they're tired from the fight. I understand. I throw no stones. That doesn't mean that the Lord didn't intend for an outcome. That's different. Right? Right? So, well, I guess the Lord wanted them in heaven. No, that wasn't it. It can be difficult to keep up the fight. And a lot of it depends on some of the things I'm talking about. Number one, you need to know what's coming. Number two, you've you know, got, got to know your weapons and so on. Number three, people around you. Oh, does that matter? Uh, whether or not you've got a good church and you can come and hear the word. Uh, y'all know people that don't go to church and don't hear the word. What have they got working for them? Yeah, yeah, amen. To fight some of these fights without the word of God helping them, without the weapons to, to use, you know, they tough it out for a while, but many of them can't make it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make it, make it except for how, you know, the Lord has taught me these things and, and I employ those. Mm-hmm. Galatians 6 9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart." Amen. I uh, love the Rocky Mountains, of, especially of Colorado, and uh, travel there often, and I love various mountain sports, including climbing. And. Uh, Fifty-four of the mountains in Colorado have elevations over 14,000 feet and uh, up in high altitude your body works completely different from, uh, oh, gee, we're almost sea level here. <laughs> uh, there's one-third the oxygen up at that level compared to here. Uh, so it's, it's always a great challenge, but of those 54, I've climbed 14 of them uh, in 16 attempts So uh, it's grueling. It's difficult. I don't live at altitude. Uh, If you live at altitude, you can do it a lot easier. Your body acclimates. But we go, we do these climbs. But I learned an awful lot about life from mountain climbs. My most rewarding climb was on a peak called La Plata. And uh, I climbed it in late October. And late October in the Rocky Mountains, you already have winter there. Um, And it happened to be that I was doing a solo climb. I was by myself. Uh, My wife says, no way, I'm not going with you. You So I'm doing this climb by myself. And I'm wondering a little bit how wise this is. If I get hurt, uh, it's going to be a long time before they can come and get me. My, my wife would know, he's overdue, he's not back, we need to see about a rescue or something like that. Already there was snow and so on on the peak. I had not climbed it before. Uh, and the high, uh, the temperature never got above 20 uh, the entire day, which uh, y- y'all probably think that's really, really bad. But 20 in sunshine is pretty alright. Uh, and it was sunny. So I started out that climb, and uh, it was challenging. And I got to certain tough sections. And oh, what am I doing here? This is too much. This is stupid by myself. This is just plain dumb. You're going to fall, hurt yourself, break a leg, and I'm going to spend the night out here. At best, I'm going to spend the night. And in the morning, somebody come find me and get me out of here. But. Uh, So I would sit down and rest and say, that's it, I'm not going any further. But I'd catch my breath and I'd go, well, I could probably go a little further. (laughs) So I'd get up, go some more until it's like, oh, this is stupid, I'm tired, I can't catch my breath. I'd sit down. But in a few breaths later, I'd catch my breath. Yeah, I I think I could go a little further. And so I would go some more and then have to stop. And the higher you go, the worse it gets. Now I exaggerate when I tell this story, but I I tell people, I quit a thousand times. (laughs) But I also got up a thousand times. So I found that I didn't need to make it to the top, I needed to make it to the next place to catch my breath. When there, rest a moment, and I could make it to the next place to catch my breath when you're in the fight you don't need to make it all the way to the end you just need to make it a step further and catch your breath and that may be an hour or two catch your breath and start up again it may be a day at a time catch your breath start up again it may be from week to week I need to get to church talk to my brothers and sisters hear a good word catch your breath but go again So I like to say, I climbed that mountain quitting a thousand times. And I did make it to the top. And uh, it was by far the most rewarding climb that I ever did. And I've had some really rewarding climbs by myself, me and God. And it was extremely cold and clear Um, in that clear air from where it was, central Colorado, I could look to the southeast from me and see the entire Sangri de Cristo range into New Mexico. I turned this way just a little bit to the southwest. There was all the San Juans that goes out into Utah. Turned this way, well, there's Pike's Peak. And way up there, oh, that's Long's Peak up at Rocky Mountain National Park, almost Wyoming. Wow. And I know the mountains well enough to be able to pick out some of them, even from many miles away. Turn a little further, and here is the Collegiates, and here is uh, the Elk Mountains going out and terminating in Mount Soporus at Glenwood Springs, Colorado, to the northwest. I may be talking about geography you all aren't familiar with, but uh, I could see the entire state of Colorado, at least the Rocky Mountains. What a view. And if I squinted it a little bit, I could see one more mountain range way out there, and the only thing way out there was the Wind River Range in Wyoming. What a view. What a view. It was so rewarding. I was so glad I made the climb, and I succeeded, and I got to the top. But I did it a little at a time. Quit, catch my breath, and go again. That's what I'm doing here with this uh, challenge in the uh, attack on my wife, the health for my wife. Go a little bit if I need to catch my breath. Go to the Word, go to some things, you know, uh, even uh, go to a conference uh, where the Word's ministered to me, a little bit of that. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm quitting, right. but I am going a step at a time. I am persevering. Amen. That's right. I have learned you will summit, you will go to the top if you don't quit. That's right. That's right. Amen. Now, other people could climb a lot faster than me. Some of the local people in Colorado acclimated to altitude. How did they do that? But I got to the same top that they got to. That's right. It just took me a little longer. That's right. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, what has fast got to do with it? Whatever you might be facing, whatever that battle is, whatever the fight is, how long will it last? Well, I don't know. Here's one more lesson from climbing. Uh, You would be climbing up, and as you get close on a mountainside, you know, you'd see something that looks like the top right there because you're so close. And you go, okay, that's the goal. We just need to make it there. And it takes you two hours, and you get to that, and you step up on top, and you go, oh, it's not the top. <laughs> They're called false summits. Yeah. There's a name for them because that's what they are. They're lion summits. <laughs> They're false. <laughs> if I could just get to there. And after a several climbs, I learned anything I see that looks like a summit, I don't believe it. that's not the summit I just figure it's not the summit then when I get there and expect more if it's the summit huh? looky there that's it (laughs) and I learned that when I put my foot up on a rock usually there's one you can stand on on the top and there's nothing more I can put my foot on to go up I've made it that's it and when you get to the top and there's nothing more that you have to climb you've made it mm-hmm. you've made it but i think this one persevering is probably the place where people stumble the most and of the most value to you if you can learn how to persevere if you can do that for one another help one another persevere how you doing well it's been tough i'm with you I want to encourage you, go a little further. Go another day. Remember, God said this to you. Remember, He's faithful. Remember, you've killed the lion. You've killed the bear. You can do this one too. Amen. Amen. Just a couple more scriptures here quickly from Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Anybody in here believe in the promise of prosperity for the believer? Do you believe God is interested in making you even wealthy? Yes. Yes. With extremely rare exceptions, that promise unfolds in your life over time. I remember learning some of these things and coming across people myself too. God's going to make me rich. And I was thinking next week I'll have a million (laughs) dollars. That's not how it works. Uh, He who's faithful in little will also be faithful in much. It's a series of tests. You grow believing for $10. Then you believe for $100. Then you believe for $1,000. Then you believe for $10,000. And it's time. And as you go, it seems to get bigger and longer and bigger and longer. Faith and patience. Faith and patience. Patience. So be ready to last and ready for things to take time. Don't be washed out in a week or two. And uh, uh, one more. And oh, how this Scripture helped me through some of the fight. Um, I'd like for you to take the time to turn and look at this. First Peter 5.10. And we'll close at this one. First Peter 5.10. You ever felt like life has got you tossed to and fro, like James talked about, a wave of the sea, back and forth, and it just, you know, like maybe you're a pinball ball being bounced around. This happens and that happens. And, you know, it's just like you don't feel like you're in control of anything. Life is just slapping you around. I would like to be settled, and I would like to be steady. I would like to be where circumstances, even when they change, don't move me. A setback, a complication, an unforeseen circumstance. Eh. Okay. I've learned to answer some of those things. You know, somebody says, well, I'm just afraid this and this is going to happen. Well, if that happens, then we'll deal with that and we'll beat that one too. Come on. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 So here it says in 1 Peter 5:10, but may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. If you look for it, the Bible has a fair amount to say about suffering as a believer. It does. And there are things that we are called and appointed to suffer and others that we are not. And you need to know which is which. But it says here, after you have suffered a while. And if you're in a fight, you're suffering some things. Amen. Yeah. Uh, there's no way around it. Fighting is suffering. You're going to take some hits. You're going to sustain some wounds. You're going to bleed. Come on. You're going to be bleed. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to have bruises. You're going to have times when you feel like you're not going to make it. And if you have a spouse that says, Now, honey, come on. Thank God for those that will lift you up. We need one another. Amen. And anybody who gives testimonies that they just cruise through everything like that, they are not telling you everything. That's right. Or the testimony is not even true. Right. Yeah. Come on. You're going to be challenged. You're going to be tested. It will happen. By the way, uh, and we won't do it here, but God is glorified in our victory in a tough fight. And that's part of what's going on, is God is willing to allow us to fight so he can say, look at, this my kid here. He'll whoop you. Devil. He'll whoop you. And to us, it's like, Father, why would you let me do this? Because you're going to give me glory. Because you're going to succeed. You're going to be victorious. And I'm going to go see. Amen. It gives him glory for us to fight and win. Amen. So some of the things that we suffer. Uh, there's even scriptures that talk about suffering according to the will of God. Is he trying to make us suffer? No. No. But when we come to a fight, God already knows we can win. He already knows that we can win. Um, I may take you to one more thing just in the interest of that. But uh, after you have suffered a while, here's what God does. He'll perfect. That means to mature you. You grow up. As you grow up, you can handle a lot more than you could before. He'll perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. This is where you want to get to. To this kind of strength where you're established, you're settled, and uh, things just don't blow you up and move you the same way. And uh, a big problem happens. Well, okay. Um... God is faithful. He took us through that one. He'll take us through this one. Let's get busy. And uh, it's a fun life to win. Again and again and again and again and again. Let me take you uh, to one other thing. It's not in my notes here. I think I can come up with it real quick. Um, James chapter 5. Thank you for joining us this week. It's our honor to serve you and be part of your walk with Christ. Don't forget to check out our website at lifefamilychurch.net. Have a blessed week and remember, the best is yet to come.